again, here at the home front of an important battle. The American family is under assault. From the home front is on the front line of this battle, protecting families, parents, and children, raising the flag in defense of traditional values. News, research, and opinion are a part of each broadcast. Join us in the battle. Together, relying on the wisdom of eternal truths, we can rebuild the American family. Welcome. You're talking with Jane today from the home front, and we have a fantastic show packed with information for you tonight. We are speaking with an expert in the field of the sexual revolution, and we're going to get into a little bit of a definition of what that includes because it's a lot, and we're going to have to narrow our focus tonight. I want to welcome Dr. Jennifer Robach-Morris. Welcome, Dr. Morris. Hey, Jane. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a delight. I want to let people know that you've got a long list of credentials that I'm going to boil down to a few things. Uh, Dr. Morse taught economics at Yale University and George Mason University, and she's written widely on this subject. Her work has been in Forbes, Fortune, and the Wall Street Journal. And she's also the director of founder and president of the Ruth Institute. Uh, they are located on the Internet, and we'll have more information about the Ruth Institute throughout the show. And uh, the first thing I want to do is take actually some information that you have on your website, uh, website, Dr. Morris, about the sexual revolution. You describe it as an actual revolution with victims. And that is actually going to be the focus for our show tonight. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the broad definition of casualties? And then I think in this segment, we'll really come and start talking about contraception and how that's contributed to making victims in this revolution. Well, sure. I, I think uh, one of the most important things that we're trying to do at the Ruth Institute right now is to help people to see that there have been people harmed by the sexual revolution. You know, we, mm-hmm. get, we get a steady parade of, of uh, people who have benefited from the sexual revolution, supposedly. Um, and, and so we don't want to, I, I want to try to balance the record a little bit here by just mm-hmm. pointing out the number of people who have been wounded. So, you know, let's, let's just start with the most obvious, in my mind, is uh, the children of divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, children whose parents were divorced. Uh, we have a, we have a whole, page on our website called uh, kidsdivorcestories.org and people go there and just talk about what it was like for them when they saw their dad walk away for the last time you know mm-hmm. or what it was like for them when their mom uh, went to the photo album and, and ripped out all the pictures of their dad you know right um, you know those kinds of those kinds of, of wounds that um, young people uh, people endured those as young people but I've had people in their 50s talking to me about, oh, oh, gosh, Dr. Morse, I would love to go right on your website about that, but it's, it's still too painful right. to me to talk about what happened to me when I was 12, you know. So let's start with that most obvious thing, that, that they, because divorce really, no-fault divorce really broke down the family in a very profound, and we've never taken responsibility for it. Right. Um, and, and then you've got the people who wish they could have stayed married, uh, I call them the reluctantly divorced, you know, mm-hmm. but people don't really, people have the idea that, oh, we're just trying to uh, allow people who don't want to be married anymore to get divorced. Well, the vast majority of divorces take place against the wishes 
of one party. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize that. You know, people don't realize that there are how many walking wounded souls there are out there right. whose, whose spouse left them for another sweetie uh, or whose spouse just didn't like them anymore, you know, mm-hmm. and, and how devastating, how, how deeply wounding that can be uh, to people. And, and not to mention uh, all the chaos that's thrown into their lives as they're separated from their children or separated from the family home and, and all of those things that take place as a result of divorce. So so that that whole category of things having to do with divorce, I think it, it's very important to, to state that right. uh, up front, that those people have been victimized um, by the sexual revolution. Um, other groups of people uh, that we talk about, I like to talk sometimes about what I call the heartbroken career woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I talk about the heartbroken career woman, I'm talking about a woman who is, um, well, really myself in many respects, um, a woman who um, is successful, who's got a good education, got a good career, um, but then becomes 30, 35, 40 years old and has no children or perhaps isn't married or has gone through a lot of infertility treatments and maybe has one child, you know, maybe mm-hmm. two. Um, but, and, and in that experience, she comes to see uh, as many, many women of our generation have done, come to see that, you know, really the kids and the family and the marriage is what you wanted the most, more than the doctorate and more than the, more than the JD degree and all, and all of those things mm-hmm. that we worked so hard for. And so those women have basically been lied to um, and, and, and led down a path. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and in, a, in a way, it's it's odd to talk about them as victims because, in a certain way, they're the most privileged people in society, right? Right. Um, but on the other hand, um, all of the of the of the status and 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 education and success that they have does not make up for uh, those very human and very basic things that that they can't provide for themselves. Uh, anymore, um, and and then and then you've got your your young people who have maybe been cohabiting with their boyfriends for too long. This is a closely related group, right? right. People who, um, you know, you move in with your boyfriend and you think it's going, you know, it's, this is a step towards getting married, and five years later you figure out that he's not really marriage material. He's never going to commit, right? And uh, and and your peak fertility is behind you. Um, after after you you've spent it, you've basically spent mm-hmm. it um, uh, living with a guy who was was not marriage material. So um, so there, and I could go on, and I bet you your listeners now are thinking to themselves about people they know who mm-hmm. fit some of these descriptions or other kinds of people. Um, right. You know, I just barely scratched the surface here right. of people who have been harmed by the sexual revolution. And, and the thing they have in common, Jane, is that they have been silenced. Right. They have been silenced throughout the culture. They're not allowed to speak out. Just like we figured out, I think the pro-life movement figured out mm-hmm. at some point, that women who have had abortions have, in a certain way, been victimized, too, because mm-hmm. nobody told them what this was going to be like. And so the whole Silent No More campaign, the whole uh, I Regret My Abortion campaign, those are women who are now speaking out and telling the truth uh, about what abortion really is mm-hmm. uh, from the experience, from the actual experience of it. Um, and we feel, at the Ruth Institute, we feel that getting other survivors 
and victims of the sexual revolution, other parts of the sexual revolution, getting them to speak out, getting them to tell their stories, that will be something that will be just as valuable um, as all of those uh, I regret my abortion women right. um, speaking about their uh, stories. Right. Well, it's interesting. You're um, ending with uh, the abortion uh, testimonies of people who have suffered through abortion and I think that's maybe a good way to connect with the uh, topic of contraception that uh, your institute uh, works to explain more completely. Unfortunately, um, the media wants to reduce this to a Catholic issue that the rest yes. of us don't need to concern ourselves with. And I grew up at the time that contraception was introduced into our culture and have witnessed the fact that this has nothing to do with the Catholic Church and a lot to do with uh, real human beings and how their lives have played out through contraception. So uh, we just have a minute here before the break, and uh, I don't want to get too far into it, but if you could give us like a minute bullet of... Sure. Uh, the, sure. well, and we can course. return to the topic after the break. Absolutely. I, I would love to talk about this. Just look at some of the, of the people that I described as victims of the sexual revolution. Contraception is what made it possible mm-hmm. for them to go down those paths that mm-hmm. turned into dead ends. Right. So the, the girl living with her boyfriend for five years, that would be unthinkable. Mm-hmm. Without contraception, <laughs> it would never enter your mind that mm-hmm. this is a good idea. You know, the trial marriage idea and so on. Um, the idea that you could uh, postpone your fertility until you're 30. Uh, you know, I can speak for myself and lots and lots of women that I know. Um, when we were postponing our fertility for the sake of our careers, we were not living in a convent, right? right. We were putting it off. We were using contraception and backed up by abortion, by the way. Let's not forget that. Contraception fails. Right. Um, and so back, contraception backed up with abortion. That's what made it possible for people to believe that a woman could have the same career path as a man. Right. Say, uh, and, and, and really, um, that too is a kind of dead end. Right. So, um, so a lot of people have indirectly been victimized by contraception. Because they've been led to do things that really are, um, have hidden pitfalls. Right. You know, it's good, but there's hidden pitfalls. And I feel as, as an adult, I need to speak that truth to well, the young. We'll uh, come back uh, right after the break and finish up on this topic. We're at KFNX, Independent Talk, 1100 AM. See you on the other side of the break. Log on and listen live. 1100kfnx.com. Hey, baby. There ain't no easy way out. Hey, I, I will stand my ground. And I won't back down. Welcome back to the home front. We have a fantastic guest and expert on many topics that are so near and dear to our heart. Dr. Morse, welcome back. Hey, Jane. This is Dr. Oh, I'm sorry for interrupting. I just wanted to get your full name out there, Dr. Jennifer (laughs) Robach Morse, and she's a 
founder and president of the Ruth Institute, that talks about all sorts of issues related to the sexual revolution. Just before the break, we were talking about contraception, that it's not just a Catholic church issue. And I think one of the things that people don't have a grasp on is the history of contraception. Uh, When I got involved in uh, sex education, this is one of the things that I started looking into. People don't realize that it was originally promoted to married couples and people in the culture were told, don't worry, this is for married couples. It's very benign. It's so that they can plan their families, so they can have all the children they want, but just space them out. And uh it was interesting that the Catholic Church had the foresight and vision to see where this was going to lead, and it didn't take any time at all for it to go to college campuses, start uh, creating a whole different uh, scene of dating and interacting between men and women. And Dr. Morris, you were talking about the impact of contraception on relationships, uh, decisions that women have made, delaying of parenting, delaying of marrying for the sake of having children. Uh, and if you just want to tie that up, then we can go on and flesh out maybe the subject of cohabitation and because this is definitely one of the the results of tearing right. babies away from the sexual act. Right, right. Well, you know, this it's, it's funny you brought this topic up, uh, Jane, because right now I'm I'm actually working on a new book, mm-hmm. and I've got some material in it on this on this very question of the history of contraception um, and contraception regulation and so on and so forth. And people mm-hmm. don't realize that up until 1930, all Christian churches agreed that contraception was wrong. Mm-hmm. All everybody agreed with it, and so. There were a whole spate of laws passed in the United States that were generally called the Comstock laws that were that were anti-pornography and anti-contraception and so on. And people don't realize that Anthony Comstock, the guy who did all that, mm-hmm. um, was a Puritan, a New England Puritan on both sides of his family going back to the 1600s. You know, mm-hmm. he was not remotely Catholic, right? Right. So it, it was something that, that all Christians agreed on until 1930 when the... Uh, Anglican Church at the Lambeth Convention um, uh, said something to the effect of that um, that it was it was morally permissible for a married couple to use contraception for serious reasons mm-hmm. and uh, inside their marriage. And the the Pope at the time uh, wrote uh, an encyclical called Casti Canubi, where he said, he, "Well, let me just say he didn't laugh and point and." There and and point at the at the Anglicans because he was too much of a gentleman to do that. Mm-hmm. But you could tell he was responding to them, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's basically saying, "What are you thinking? Right. That you're going to introduce the concept that you can separate sex from procreation, and you think you're going to keep it in in the context of a married couple for only serious reasons? Right? Are you kidding me? Are right. you kidding me? You know? And and so." Um, if you look at what happened in the U.S. Um, with the with the various laws having to do with contraception, um, uh, you know people people did not want 
to repeal the laws against it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it went away in 1965 with the Supreme Court decision, Griswold versus Connecticut, uh, and and there were still laws on the books in Connecticut which people did not want to repeal because right. they, even though even though people could get contraception, you could go to your doctor and get fitted for a diaphragm, for example. Mm-hmm. You could go in and buy buy condoms in the drugstore. So the laws were not perfectly enforced. Mm-hmm. But but what people saw is that if you took away the law, you would end up with freestanding birth control clinics that would do nothing but promote contraception. Right. And that is indeed exactly what happened. And literally, Jane, this blew me away when I read this. The day, the very day Griswold was decided, the very day the court came out with their very sweeping opinion about it, the, the people who were advocating for it said, you know, our next move is abortion. Right. And Our next move is abortion. It was like, oh my gosh! And and they had done just what you said. Mm-hmm. They had they, they had gone into court and said, we just want all we want to do is allow married couples right. to be able to use contraception for serious health reasons. That's all we want. Well, they were you know they had to know that that wasn't where it was going to end. They right. had to do that you know. So it's it's this whole bait and switch process. Um, that has been at the heart of the sexual revolution from the very beginning. You can go through issue after issue mm-hmm. and see and saying something like that. All we want to do is just this one little thing, you know? Right. And then it turns out that you've let in, you know, you've let in something far bigger, far more sweeping. Right. Um, it's interesting now because contraception is being pushed in the third world and I just, by the United Nations, Yep. The United States is very complicit in this, and I read an article recently that described contraception as a pro-life option. And I will be writing in my website a response to this position and others in the, uh, that they were making to support giving contraception to the third world nations. And it's interesting to me that a lot of people don't see the connection between contraception and abortion, they think that if you have uh, contraception, you will have no need for abortion. One of the the uh, statements that was made into a mantra is every child a wanted child. But really what contraception does is it takes the position that Obama made very openly, and I think he regrets having said it so openly. He didn't want his children punished by babies. So babies are now criminalized. They're inconveniences uh, because our sole purpose as adults with sex is to enjoy ourselves and to have fun and have pleasure. And the babies are in the way. And yep. babies now are responsible for being contracepted. And when they don't follow our expectation, there's only one answer that's possible. Can uh we have just a couple of minutes. Do you uh, want to add to that or give some uh, reflections on that? Well, you, you've done a good job of explaining how the, how the thing is connected. I mean, it's, it, you see, it's, it's not the contraceptive technology. It's not the fact that you can walk in the store and buy a condom. That's not what the problem is. The problem is the ideology, mm-hmm. the contraceptive ideology. That's what Obama's promoting that's what Planned Parenthood promotes. That's what Sikhs promotes. That's what the United Nation is promoting. Mm-hmm. It's not enough for these people that it be available. Mm-hmm. They have to promote it, and they have to promote 
the idea that sex does not make babies. You know, the, 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 the key revolutionary idea, Jane, I would say, is that we can safely separate sex from procreation and that we can separate sex and procreation both from marriage. Mm-hmm. That's what the sexual revolution was really all about. You know, that was one of the absolutely key things. Well, it's simply not, no matter how much contraception you have, it's not true. Right. It's just not true. Sex does make babies. And so we start to, instead of looking at every child as a gift from God and as the result of the, the loving act of the mother and father, um, we, we view the child as a contraceptive failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and I, I had this exact conversation. Actually, it was in Arizona. It was one of your schools in Arizona. I forget mm-hmm. if, if it was ASU. ASU or, or, or U of A, right. but I, was, I did a debate, and, and I said, you know, sex makes babies, and the lady I was debating against argued with me. Right. She said, no, it doesn't. I said, what? Right. And she said, <laughs> unprotected sex makes babies. Yeah. You see? So this is the way they think. So, so babies are the result of contraceptive failure, and, and that mentality... That mentality is the thing that is so deadly because you act as if you have perfectly functioning contraception. Right. Young people are taught that. We have over-sexualized the culture to the point where people are getting stimulated sexually all the time. You can't even walk out the door without it. You know, you're being sexually stimulated all the time, and yet sex still does make babies. If you're acting like if you're mm-hmm. acting like your contraception always works perfectly, you're going to have sex with somebody who'd be a disaster to get pregnant with. Right, and then you have two choices: you have an abortion, or you become a single mom. Right, and that's what the that's what the Planned Parenthood people never want to face up to is their ideology takes you right to that point. Right, it's because and it's because I'm going to have to. Sex- um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, Go ahead. we'll come excited. back to this. Actually, <laughs> I know it, I get wrapped up, but right after the break, we'll uh, pick this up with Dr. Morris. Uh, you are talking with Jane from the Home Front, KFNX eleven hundred Independent Talk. We'll be right back. Lock it in, Independent Talk. 1100 KFNX. Welcome. You're at the home front of an important battle. The American family is under assault. Eternal truths and understandings about family and marriage are being burned at the stake. Common sense is no longer common. Traditional values are being attacked as old-fashioned, obsolete, and irrelevant. Join us in the battle. Share, learn, and teach, adding your voice to the dialogue. Today at the home front. Welcome. You're talking with Jane from the home front today, and we're with a wonderful guest. I want to welcome her back for the third segment, Dr. Jennifer Robach Morris, a doctor in economics, in the economy. Welcome, Dr. Morris. Hey, thanks for having me, Jane. And I love her passion on the topics that we're talking about because it really does take passion to break through the silence in our culture that has really uh, taken 
these victims of the sexual revolution and taken away their voice. I think many times they've uh, worked to make us believe that we're the problem. You know, it's my fault that I'm a single mom because I was encouraged to have protected sex in high school. Uh, nobody would mention the word marriage because that was religious. And I just did it all wrong. And here I sit and it's my fault. And uh, the point of this show and why I've chosen some of our music is to stand our ground, to come back to the table, open the discussion, and bring credible information to the table. And Dr. Morse is actually just um, a, a wonderful expert on this. And Dr. Morse, in this section, I would like to follow up on our chats about contraception, abortion, and divorce and talk about the nature of marriage and where we stand in the sex education world uh, that is a topic of many of our shows. It's um, surprising for many people to think that we're going to go into the classroom and link having sex with the notion of getting married. We're very comfortable with cohabiting, but to encourage children to look ahead toward the time in their life when they might be married and to link that to their sexual behavior uh, is is confounding to many parents and school administrators. Can you touch on this and definitely help us to understand that it's not just what your church teaches, it's economically what helps the individual and our culture and our nation? Well, you know, at, at the risk of sounding like an old fogey, I have to say, when I was a kid, it was assumed that you would get married and mm-hmm. have sex inside marriage, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so the idea that we have for years now been teaching sex ed as if sex was separable from marriage, that, you know, think about that. Mm-hmm. Think about that. That is not really the value that most people would place on, on that's not what most people would hope for their children. To do right. I mean, right. most people would hope that their kids would wait until marriage, and that they would marry at a reasonable age, and that they would be able to have kids at a reasonable age, and so on. But but we've got this whole sexual revolutionary ideology that says you can have sex without marriage, and you can have babies without marriage. And so, if we insist on marriage, we're somehow imposing on people, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and that that's wrong for us to impose on people. But but the, the person we've forgotten about that is we've forgotten about children and mm-hmm. what children need, you know. So mm-hmm. you think about what marriage is supposed to do. Um, uh, marriage is supposed to unite mothers and fathers to their children and to one another. Right. Why? Because children need and have a legitimate desire uh, and entitlement to a relationship with both of their parents, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you just think, what is owed to the child? What is mm-hmm. owed to children? Do we owe anything to children? If we owe them anything at all, we certainly owe them a right to have access to both of their parents and a relationship with both of their parents. Mm-hmm. And and marriage is the institution that makes that possible because it's where the man and the woman commit themselves to one another for a lifetime and commit themselves to any children that they might have. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and so the, the children have a, a, an interest in the stability and the permanence of their parents' union. And that's what the culture of marriage always taught mm-hmm. and tried to inculcate, right? And right. so um, the, the whole pattern since the sexual revolution 
very much including sex ed in the schools, um, is, is to break that down. And, mm-hmm. and when you say you're entitled to unlimited sexual activity, um, what you're really saying is that children don't have any particular rights to their parents, right? There's nothing mm-hmm. there that we're willing to defend or structure society around or, or willing to sacrifice for. You know, uh, kids will be fine as long as their parents are happy. Right. That's the big lie, you know. Right. One of the... Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. One of the anomalies of this whole what's good for kids uh, is the effort to help fathers connect with their kids. And you have uh, different organizations that are doing wonderful things with fathers and for the benefit of kids. So I'm not negating that work at all. I think it's very important. But it's uh, connecting fathers who are disconnected because there was no marriage, there was no attempt to create yeah. a family with marriage. And it seems to me like many of these movements that we're creating to fix problems are fixing the end result without coming to the core problem, which is uh, the core problem is children not understanding that marriage is a goal, just like buying a car, getting your first house, going to college, getting a degree. Uh, marriage is a goal. It's something you plan for. And we certainly lost the vision of that in the 60s. I know I did personally for myself. I don't think I did a, uh, anything to help my kids see that. It was just like, well, someday you'll get married. Uh, well, you know, it, it'll just come upon you. <laughs> you'll It'll right, strike you right. that the time is right and I'll get married now. And uh Families are suffering and our culture is suffering, and this is really key to the economic problem that yes. really many people are facing. They think yes. that they're going to solve the economy uh, and their personal finances by getting a better job or getting a college degree when, you know, building and maintaining and working to protect an ongoing lifelong marriage do much more. <laughs> Than some of these other band-aids. It would solve a lot of problems. Yes, and I and I I like what you said at the beginning there that 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 trying to get fathers more involved, unmarried fathers more involved, is kind of like putting a Mm band-aid on a on a very large wound. You know, the the Mm -hmm. the original problem is that mother and father should have been devoted to one another Mm -hmm. um, before they started having kids. That because having having that relationship be solid is what helps assure that kids have access to both of their parents, mom and dad getting along, you mm-hmm. know, that's just that simple, you know. Right. Um, but we don't want to constrain ourselves, and so therefore the kids, you know, the kids lose out. And so now we're, you know, a couple generations past mm-hmm. um, all of those changes and those and those things are working their way through. And the, the other thing I think is worth mentioning is that the parts, you know, if you're just worried about the economy, um, you know, a program like yours, you probably have a lot of women listening to your program, mm-hmm. and you probably have a lot of culturally conservative women listening to your program. But I bet your station, if I'm judging from the ads I'm hearing, mm-hmm. I bet your station has a lot of guys that listen. Right. And a lot of guys who are fiscal conservative. And I want to say, if there's any fiscally conservative men driving around out there listening to this program who can't figure out why the family matters, I want to say to you, listen, guys. The only way you're going to shrink the federal budget is to do something about the family, mm-hmm. because 
lots and lots of federal dollars, lots and lots of state dollars, Mm -hmm. end up being spent trying to clean up the mess to rebuild the family and try to repair damage that that should should never have been there in the first place, right? right? I mean, prisons are full of fatherless men, full of them, you know? Right. And, and you can't fully repair the loss that those boys, they're grown men now, but as boys, they experience a profound loss, and it's very hard to repair that. You can pump all kinds of money into it, and the best you're going to hope for is to break even. You right. know, I mean, you right. know, that the loss, the loss is, is, is just profound. And so that's why we want to keep coming back to the fact that the sexual revolution has generated victims. Right. Victims, victims, victims. And, and what we want to do at the Ruth Institute is to help those victims stop being victimized and start being survivors. And then go from being survivors to being advocates. You know, people who, right. who, you know, who say, hey, this did not work for me, and by golly, I'm here to talk with you about it. You know, that's where we want people to go. Well, our show has that as a foundation. I know we talk a lot about the problems because so many of these uh, topics don't come to the table in our culture. So we put them out. But on the next yep. segment, uh, I want to talk about a, a wonderful webpage that you've got talking about marriage as an ecosystem and we're all about economy and environment and ecosystems and i think that's a wonderful vision for solutions we're talking with dr jennifer robot morris from the home front our website is from the homefront.org hope you check it out it has links to dr morris we'll be back after this break last segment of the show join us on the other side of the break Visit us online at 1100kfnx.com. Hey, baby, there ain't no easy way out. Hey, I, I will stand my ground and I won't back down. Welcome. I'm glad to have you back. For our last segment from the home front, you're talking with Jane and our guest, Dr. Jennifer robach Morris, a doctor in economics. And we've had a wonderful conversation about the sexual revolution, the people that have been hurt by a change in the way we handle sex in our personal lives. And we've touched on abortion, cohabitation, divorce, contraception, children, and Dr. Morris, I think in this last segment, I'd really like us to complete the circle. Uh, when we started in the first segment, you had touched on divorce, no-fault divorce, and how that has really hurt us. And I think in one of the big areas is in marriage, which uh, we were just saying we need to encourage people to marry. But once they're married, marriage is hard. You know, you get in arguments with somebody and hopefully you can patch it up and, and put it behind you. And, um, you have similar interests when you meet and you date and you get married. And then, uh, for many reasons, you each get other areas of interest that maybe the, the, your husband, your wife doesn't share and you have to work those things out. And the divorce situation, has really told us, well, 
you know, don't worry. It's not as easy. It's not as convenient. Maybe you'd really like somebody who goes biking now that that's your hobby. So divorce is your solution. And uh, the truth is, the reality is that any marriage that is struggling, if people really want to make it work, both parties, the research is out there that you can. It's it's not like the marriage breaks and then it's over. People who okay. really are committed to it can work through some tremendous um, problems and come out actually stronger and better on the other side. But we've lost that commitment. We've lost selling that to people. We just say, here's your problem. Uh, fix it with a divorce. Uh, go on. Give up on your spouse. You know, you're unhappy today. You'll be unhappy with this person forever. So just give up on them. Well, you know, it's funny you bring that up, uh, Jane, because uh, one of the ways we tried to deal with that uh, is that we created a a booklet called Improve Your Marriage, mm-hmm. which is basically tips that anyone can use to mm-hmm. improve their marriage. Uh, in fact, the original title of it was, You Can Improve Your Marriage Even If Your Spouse Doesn't Change a Bit. Mm-hmm. You know, to focus on the fact that everybody has the power to contribute in a positive way to the, to the peace and joy of the home and of the marriage. And so that, that booklet, um, we normally sell it on our website, but that booklet, people can receive that for free, a free download, a, you know, PDF mm-hmm. electronic version of that booklet. Um, you just go to ruthnewsletter.org and give us your email address and basically we'll send you that for free. Um, and you'll start getting our newsletter too, mm-hmm. but, but it's, it's a 101 tips for a happier marriage that right. anyone can use. And, and we developed that, uh, because we saw the need for people to, to, to be able to think their way out of some of these crazy things that they're being taught mm-hmm. in the culture, you know, that, that, that you can overcome a tendency to be quarrelsome or you, you know, you, you don't have to, uh, um, treat every disappointment as if it's a, great political grievance or something, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of what the, what the feminists taught us to do, you know. Right, um, right. And, and, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I didn't need any coaching for nagging my husband, right? And <laughs> the feminists gave us a whole a whole list of more things to be mad about and to right. be, um, you know, incensed about. And so, on. so we developed that book and, you know, that little booklet, Improve Your Marriage, and people can receive it free. From Wonderful. So just RuthNewsletter.org, and and you can receive that for free. So we would welcome that. Yeah. And I want to put a little plug in for our efforts here in the show. Uh, We are going to have an expert on marriage that just addresses marriage, how to strengthen marriage, make it better, um, how to overcome some of the big hurdles in struggling marriages. So this is a show that gets a lot of topics out on the table and and makes us think about some serious issues. But every week we come back and try to expand and add to the information. And and this is a topic that we're really going to be addressing in future shows. I hope that as you're hearing uh, the information that we're presenting, if this is touching your heart, Know that that's the point of our show is that we want to help people. You may agree with some of the things we say, disagree, but the big thing is, I think, for us to bring it out in the open, talk about it, dialogue about it, consider our views and where they are leading us personally and as a country. I hope that if that is something that you feel is important, you will check out our website from the homefront.org. 
and see if you can become a supporter. We need you in order to be able to stay on the air. Uh, Dr. Morse, thanks for letting me just give a plug in because I know when you and I get talking, uh, we're going to push to the very end of the show. There's so much good information you have. (laughs) I want you to direct people also to your websites right now. And uh, there are links to these if you're in the car and you can't write it down. If you just remember from the homefront.org, you can get on there and uh, get these uh, links. But go ahead and give it to us verbally right now. Well, well, RuthInstitute.org is our is our um, homepage, mm-hmm. um, or you can go like us on Facebook. Um, one of the things I like to do is to dissect the propaganda. Mm-hmm. of the sector revolution. And when I use the term dissect, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when I say dissect? A frog. <laughs> Don't you see a little froggy in your mind? So, yeah, if you go to Ruth Institute, to the Ruth Institute Facebook page, you'll see a couple of little posts there that have a little picture of a froggy. Oh, on that's cute. And that's where I am going through some, you know, crazy article that somebody has written with crazy justifications, and I'm, you know, dissecting what they've said. Right. So um, you can like us on Facebook. You can go to RuthInstitute.org and um, and donate to help us also. Great. Or just go to Ruth Newsletter, RuthNewsletter.org and get that free booklet, and we would we would certainly uh, be glad to send send that electronic PDF uh, version of the booklet to you. And and of course we got hard copies too if you want to give it as a gift. And if you want to give it as a wedding gift and that kind of thing, you know, we have we have the tangible goods as well as the electronic goods. Too. Very good. So, um, so yeah, we've got a lot of free material um, that people can avail avail themselves of, um, and we too would welcome your support. You know, if everybody listening send us ten bucks a month. We'd be in good shape. Very good. <laughs> we could uh, we could take over the Planned Parenthood people in that, you know. You're doing so, an but, awesome job. I know there are more. You know, Jane, in my heart, I know that there are very, very few people who really believe in every single thing of the sexual revolution. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. people who seem like they're in for it. Right. You know, we'll have some part of it that's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we're doing this, you know. Right. So, so our position is that if you want to work with us on any topic, um, we don't insist that you agree on every point. You know, right. Just come on over and see what we have. You know, maybe you've got a, a relative who's been shacking up with their boyfriend for too long, and, you, and you'd like to know how to talk with them about that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're concerned about um, uh, same-sex uh, attraction or same-sex marriage issues. Maybe mm-hmm. you're concerned about those things. We have information on pretty much every sexual revolution topic that you can think you of, do. including ones that we didn't talk about today. Right. So. I, I can attest to that. And we're going to have really no time to really uh, delve into the marriage ecosystem. But I just love oh. that analogy so much. And uh, if you can, I would hope that on a future show, if we can have you join us again, I would love to see you develop that on the show, comparing marriage to an ecosystem Yes. If you hear the music behind you, uh, you'll know that you've got to put a period on the sentence. But if you want to just uh, give us a quick notion of what an ecosystem, why a marriage is like an ecosystem. The reason we chose that image, Jane, is that we feel like when when the health of marriage is connected to so many other parts of the social system, you see, and mm-hmm. and what what ecology and ecosystem analogy uh, analysis help people to see is that you know gee if we if we do something in the natural world over here it may have consequences 
all throughout mm-hmm. the system, all throughout the uh, the natural world, and so we have to be mindful of that. We have to be good stewards of the of the natural world. That's what the ecosystem um, idea tries to convey to us. Right. Um, and so we have the same feeling about marriage. That marriage is a the, the the health of marriage is at the core of the whole of the social system. Um, because if you don't have healthy children, uh, you're going to have problems all over the place. If people don't have the ability to trust one another, mm-hmm. you're going to have all kinds of problems, including business problems and, and political problems. Um, and people learn those things. People mm-hmm. learn to be well-developed, uh, trustworthy, and trusting people inside the family. Right. So when we go in and, and pull out one little pin, like, you know, uh, oh, gee, we just, we just want to allow easier divorce, we mm-hmm. have no concept of the fact that it's affecting everything right. in the social system. And that's what we're trying to convey. Everything Wonderful. connected. Well, thank you so much for being on the show with us tonight. And I do hope that sometime down the road you'll be able to join us again. This is Jane from thehomefront.org, KFNX 1100 AM, Independent Talk. We're so glad you joined us this evening.